liquid scent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to Radical. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents, boys and girls. It's been a minute since I've done a uh, an interview or even uh, a live uh, podcast here. So uh, thank you guys for bearing with me through the, the the turmoil and the struggles and the standing up of everything that's going on. Uh, some of you guys know that I have stood up the Bitcoin Maximalist, and it is a concierge and advisory service. If you are interested in that, you can go to RadicalPod.com under the Bitcoin Maximalist tab, and uh, you can contact me through that, uh, or you can just send me an email to shane at radicalpod.com. Either way, I will get back to you as fast as I can. And thank you for all the people that have already contacted me. Um, this is something that I think a lot of people are very, very uh, in, I don't know, uh, jumping at the bit to understand uh, as these these crazy times progress, uh, as the dollar and the banks continue to melt down. Uh, and we see the dollar evaporate uh, around the world in terms of the, you know the petrol dollar and its buying power. So if uh, if you need to know more, uh, Shane at radicalpod.com, you can find it there. Uh, today I have an amazing guest for you guys. I told you guys <laughs> with the readings, what I want to do is have a lot of these authors on uh, to just you know pick their brain about not only uh, what they're writing about in Bitcoin, but what they are doing in their lives outside of. Uh, just Bitcoin and everything else, because I think there's this community is just so broad and so deep um, and it's hopeful. It's one of those things where you can find a niche. It's super, super early. Uh, we were making the comment last week that if you were to buy, you know, you know, if you were if you would have bought tech stocks before the AOL era, that's where we are in Bitcoin right now. You, If you're buying Bitcoin now, you are pre-AOL era Bitcoin. And that is something that I don't think most people really understand yet. So um, as time progresses, I think we're going to get a hard lesson in that. But uh, today's guest is Scott Lindbergh. He is the founder of uh, Free Market Kids. He is the, uh, I guess he and his wife have helped create, huddle up the Bitcoin game. I am also learning that he is an author. Uh, he is an entrepreneur, and he was the author of the, um, uh, the the article that I read last week. Homeschoolers are Bitcoiners who don't know it yet. Please welcome to the show, Scott Lindbergh. What's going on, man? Hey, Dane. Great to be here. Uh, super, super excited to have you. Um, there's so much. We we were kind of joking back and forth uh, before we did this, and you'd ask me, um, you know, do you want to have like a, a first call or something like that before we we schedule this thing? And I was like, man, you're a homeschooler. You're a dad of four. You've got, uh, you're an entrepreneur. You're a Bitcoiner. I was like, we're not going to be able to fit everything we want to into this short little hour. So uh, I thought it's, you know, and you were like, yep, right That's on. True. Do it live. So, yeah, let's um, let's get a little bit of your backstory first. You you you're obviously you're a married man. You've got kids. You were telling me just before the show that are you know twenty to sixteen years old. Is that correct? We have four between sixteen and twenty. Yeah, tight shot group there. Better than I did. I was trying to knock them out every year like that as well. And uh, our, our, our middle child gave us a, a little bit of a run there for a minute. So. Yeah, we're we're separated by four years. There's only three of them. 
No, it's still awesome though. You're still in a zone defense, so it's all good. You're, you're you know what it feels <laughs> right. like. <laughs> I, I, it's funny, I used to say that to everybody. You're not man to man after two. You're in zone defense, and it's uh, no. Yeah, uh, it, it gets. Yeah, it, but after that, you just keep ticking more, though, right? Because you're already in a zone defense. What's the difference? Just keep going. So you know, <laughs> go for a basketball yeah, team. I, I yeah. had that little girl at the end of it, and I was like, "Yeah, I think that's probably where I need to stop." <laughs> Yeah, they're all they're all blessings though. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so um, tell me how you, yeah, go ahead. Kentucky, tell me how you came into uh, the, the Bitcoin space to begin with, because you know this is this is a smaller space. It's not uh, you know a, a, I don't think it's quite as big as even the Libertarian Party is um, in terms of you know sheer numbers. So to, how did how did you get into the space? So yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack. I'll do my best so we can be to, I can be concise so we can fit everything into the to the hour. So my wife and I met in business school. She was a year behind me, and she um, when we were pregnant with our first, she was talking about potentially not going back to work. Obviously, we we stuck with that plan with the homeschooling, and um, I had gone to business school thinking I was going to be a management consultant. And she was going to be an investment banker. That was what we thought when we when we met. And I ended up taking more of an operational type of um, job. It was it was right. I graduated right before the um, uh, 9-11. So the job I had, uh, the job offer I had was not there uh, a short time later. And we got pregnant right away. And I was like, OK, what do I do? And I kind of took an operational route. The next thing you know, we have two sets of student loans. To, to pay off and one income. And so basically the decision, I put this in the article too. We, we just, we just said, listen, if we can get by on one income, we're going to do that. And even if we have to give up vacations, et cetera. So we can talk a little bit later on about staying in the wrong type of the job, uh, which is what I, I did. Um, but I was like, I have to take care of the family. That's, that's what I'm going to do. But I kept thinking that I needed to look, I, I went to school to get my MBA. I, I had to at least be able to keep up with something. And I was listening to a podcast at the time, going to the gym. So the, the person that influenced me the most at that time was Preston Pish. I was listening to investors podcast. It was focusing on value investing and they would have their quarterly panels. And he would he kept saying, what about this Bitcoin thing? Is anybody looking at this Bitcoin thing? Of course, he spread out. He, he would bring on great guests, but eventually he did his own. He has his own uh, breakout in that show now on, on Bitcoin. That was the start of it. It sounded really strange to me. From there, I started to get into books and additional podcasts. And then at some point, I just I couldn't stop. I was I was bitten. And um, I was like, how can I get how can I get the family to understand what this is? Once I finally got it. And it took a little bit. I was like, I, I have to share it. And and Tali's looking at me like I'm crazy. She's like, I'm, I'm taking care of the kids. Here's what's going on. I don't have time for this. And so that's what led to, I happen to like games as well. Tabletop games are, are great for fellowship. I grew up with them. And that was kind of another intersection. You have education and Bitcoin. I said, well, I'll just make a game out of it. That's what led to, to Hoddle Up. And I'm very grateful. Eventually, Tali did she did listen to some of the books and um, she was, she kind of came in about a year after me and we went to Bitcoin 22 as a, that was our anniversary gift to each other was to go to, to the Bitcoin conference. <laughs> she says, I don't remember me, me saying this, but uh, she said that at Bitcoin 22, she said, I had said, um, 
I want to come back next year as a vendor. I don't remember saying that, but we are doing that this year. We're going out. We're going to have a spot in the bazaar to show our game and book and and talk to, to talk to Bitcoiners directly. It's uh, we're really looking forward to it. I'll tell you what, uh, 22 was a good time down there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was, I was wondering if I had seen your booth because there was a couple other booths around there, um, with, uh, some, some, you know, wives and husbands that had had some games and were doing some, uh, you know, mm -hmm. pre early learning type of stuff. And so you know, that's, that, that's a, that's a fun story. And I think it's really important for a lot of people is, you know, you had mentioned in that write up last week too, is, you know, a lot of times it's, it's the guys that are, you know, looking at finances, where we're going to invest, you know, try to stock away something and, you know, these, these shit coin casinos out there. Um, and then Bitcoin came, yep. came along and you start to see like, man, this is, if we're, if we're long time horizon people, this is a great place to be. But a lot of times it is very male dominant in terms of you know, just the space in mm -hmm. general. It's just a lot of dudes. Um, and I, I think it hopefully is. Yep. it's changing a little bit, um, thanks to, you know, like Natalie Brunell and, uh, you know, quite a few others out there that are in this space that are, you know, doing a, a pretty good job. Yeah, they're, they're breaking the, they're breaking ground. That's, that's good. That was just an observation we had from the homeschooling conference, but we've been to a lot of meetups. We, we try to get to as many as we can. Uh, we, we, uh, my wife and I are actually co co-leading the one here in, in Louisville. But we try to get to Cincinnati once a month, uh, get to Lexington once a month. And if we can, we get down to Bitcoin Park once a month as, as well. Okay. Um, it just amazing people, but almost almost all the always it's 80 percent male. Almost always. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, when we get there. So, you know, it wasn't like it was just these homeschooler, you know, where the, the mom turned to the dad and say, yeah, he's the one that it is into it. And I really don't understand it. Um. So I don't know. I don't think it's just Bitcoin. I don't think it's just homeschool. I think there's some deeper things there. But the the bottom line is it, it's it's for everyone. And I want uh, we have two girls and two boys. I want you know I want them the girls to to benefit from it just as much as the boys. So it's an interesting problem when you when you think of it from an education standpoint of how do we get this message across? And we we've got a lot of work to do in that yeah. in that regard. I think so. We, let's let's back way up. I mean, let's talk some homeschooling for a minute because this is obviously near and dear to my heart. I think a lot of the people in this audience um, have either gone the homeschool route or are thinking they're going to go the homeschool route. Obviously, as uh, schools degenerate more and more into you know a, a, a political. Uh, agenda type of uh, zone for you know people that a lot of times we don't agree with whether they're Republicans or Democrats for that matter um, you know that that initial you know I'm going to be the breadwinner I'm going to make sure that this happens um, that that's a that's an unnerving thing for a lot of people and, and I mean really kind of one of those things where you go hey listen uh, we're gonna we're gonna do with less we are going to we're gonna make this happen on a shoestring budget and we're going to, we're going to learn some things along the way. And hopefully, um, we can pull this off because it's not guaranteed, you know, it's not guaranteed that you're, you know, at some point, mm -hmm. like, especially on one income during crazy times that you're going to still have right. a job. Right. Um, kind of, kind of walk us through that, uh, process with you and, and, and your wife, because I think this is something that, you know, priority in, in, in what your life is, uh, I think it's super important for people to understand. 
Yeah, there's a there's a lot there. So Tali had a couple of things. There's a matter there's avoiding bad things. You don't want whatever negative income um, influences might be there, not just the other kids, but in terms of indoctrination from the the school. Tali also she was just she was just looking at it and she was like, I, I want to know my kids. If I go and get a job, half of it's going to go to taxes, and then most of the rest is going to go to daycare. So the what's the what are we really? What is the real trade-off here? We're going to get a little bit of in, extra income, and then someone else is going to be raising my my kids. And and um, she also is not quite a tiger mom. Uh, she was born in, in in Taiwan, grew up here in the U.S. Um, but she does have that an edge that she really wants the kids to accelerate. So the other thing that you have with homeschooling is you can go as fast as you want on any subject you want. It doesn't matter. So you you kind of have this this amazing upside to it uh, as well. So I, I went through the public school system. I was worried about socialization. That's why I put that piece, that part in the, the FUD piece of the article, because that's the number one thing I hear on it. But I honestly might, and this is kind of in hindsight, I don't think I was this smart back then, but with hindsight, I would the way I would say it is it's, it's an asymmetric bet because kids are super resilient. You you have a three-year-old, five-year-old, whatever, and, and your homeschooling trial doesn't work for whatever reason. And your kid goes into, say, the public school after that. They're going to, they won't miss a beat. They will adapt really fast. So the downside is near zero. The upside, though, is the relationship with your, within the family, a better education, a broader could be faster education, a whole, a whole other world of experiences that you can that you can have. So it's you have an amazing upside and very limited risk on the downside. So in hindsight, I, I don't think I was that thoughtful with it, but that's that's how I look at it now. Is well, like what what do you have to lose if if our if our daughter if it if it doesn't work, it's too tough, or we need to we need the income and Tali goes back to work. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, honestly, the kid at, at that age probably won't even remember the homeschooling part of that anyway. Yeah. So there's like there's just nothing to lose to, to try it. And then once you once you actually meet other homeschoolers and you see the possibility, you don't want to give it up. At least we didn't. Once you once you got a taste of it, you're like, OK, um, we did have to overcome some things with the families because neither side of our neither side really understood why we were doing this they're like okay why do why do these two ivy league mbas like what the heck are they doing like they just you know they just they're just like what are they doing and then we got we've had a lot of dogs we've had rabbits we've had chickens we've done all kinds of things and they're looking at us like you're they think they're crazy we're crazy they're like what are you what are you doing so um but I wouldn't trade any of that. It's a lot of fun. It, the, it's absolutely worthwhile and it's asymmetric. The potential returns are amazing and the, the risks are just low. I, I love um, the idea of 
this being an asymmetric risk. Um, and, and you're not wrong. And I think, you know, to your point, especially is like, once you get to uh, a certain age with kids, um, you know, you made the comment in, in your article that school is 24 seven, right? It's, it's life lessons just happen yeah. all the time. You always have an opportunity. And so, you know, let's just say, you know, somebody does have to go back to work and now you got, you know, two, two parents that are uh, trying to make it all happen is at a certain age, those kids can kind of, you know, stay at home in school and not, you, you don't have to worry oh, yeah. about them even going to school. I think, you know, past a certain age, I'm obviously, uh, you know, an eighties kid. So like, I would say like seven or eight, but that's, you know, pr probably a little bit young for a lot of people these days that are considering this. Yeah, they're kids. And that's a well, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, we, I can go so deep on the homeschooling thing. The some people have this fear of I'm not an expert in chemistry or biology or calculus or whatever they think it is. The number of resources that are available are insane. So really, yeah. you don't have to be the expert. It can be a co-op. The, the number of resources online, I maybe you and I can get to this later about the deflationary effects of, of technology, but the amazing things online today for resources from videos to books to courses, it's, it's insane. And so you're, as a homeschooling parent, you're really more like that orchestra leader. And you're just saying, these are the things that I really want to be part of our curriculum, basically. And you're the one guiding all these pieces, but you don't have to be the one that knows how to play every instrument. You just, you just get them there. You don't have to know how to play the piano for your kid to learn piano. You don't have to be a, a, a football star to get your kid into whatever, you know, whatever, pick your sport. And the same goes with whatever subject is that you might be a little bit hesitant about going, oh my God, I don't have the capability to learn all that. You have unbelievable resources there. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and, and it's, it's, um, it's it's only getting better. It's only getting stronger, and we can kind of go through. And there's a lot of free resources out there. And if you were in the, if you're able to pay a little bit, you can go to semi-private. I forget the exact name of these different types of things. They're not exactly a charter school, but there are so many options, and there are people who make it work. Even even if they have to go and get a job, they still find a way of directing their kids' schooling directly in terms of curriculum even if it means they have to take their kid every Monday to a certain spot and they have to go and do something else. So the, the flexibility, you can adapt this, this lifestyle to almost anything. It's super, you, you, it's up to you to figure it out. So, um, I'm not even. I don't even remember the exact question you had there. I think I went off on a tangent no, on you. It's, um, it's all good. Um, but it, that's uh, to, yeah. to to your point in terms of resources. Um, you know, we the other one of the one of the other points you had made in, in the article was like, you know, there's over five million families now, and if you look at homeschooling families, you know, you're probably averaging, I probably on the low side, about four people per family. In a homeschooling type of oh, yeah. family. So, you know, let's just say 20, 25 million people in the United States um, are homeschooling actively. That doesn't count everybody that came before us. That doesn't count, you know, you know, the, the groundwork that's been out there in terms of all the different resources that are at our, our fingertips. And I just I love the the idea of, you know, when when America was young and America, you know, was was coming up and people were homeschooled, uh, you know, community, small community schools, things like that. 
the intelligence and the level of writing that came out of guys like Thomas Jefferson or Ben Franklin um, when they were, you know, 10, oh my, 12, yeah. 13 years old to, to, to understand that now as homeschoolers and we have this network effect uh, through, through all sorts of technology and co-ops and community and th th this network effect in terms of producing maybe the most genius generation that we have ever had in, in, in history, I think is one of the most, I don't know, baffling, hopeful things that I've, that I've ever thought about. Yeah. It's it, on one hand, you have amazing hope because of all those, all those things. On the other hand, you just, you, you kind of this you just have to say what the heck is going on we're, we're putting billions and billions and billions of dollars into this and our education system is i mean listen i don't i don't go and look at all the different metrics but if you if you compare where we are with whatever metric you like with the world we are we're going down we are deteriorating and that and that is with all these amazing tools and and things that are available now it's just stunning to me it is it's a huge loss for the nation uh, it's a huge loss for our kids in this generation and it's because we're stuck in these these fiat ways and you can you ultimately you can trace it back to i i believe you can trace it back to the money so the whole the whole bitcoin meme with the money fixes this mm -hmm. I, I believe that now it, the problem is if it takes 5 10 20 years to do that we have a we have a generation that is that's really hurting, and they're not going to have the tools to deal with the the new world coming. Um, you throw on AI and all the other things, and some aggressive other world players. Uh, there, it it, it uh, those things are they're kind of a mess. But I but I I'm with you on the hope. Like there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful with uh, with when you see people taking matters into their own hands. In this case, we're talking about education. You can talk about it with money, but it, I have a lot of hope and, um, you know, that's where I want to keep my focus. Yeah. The, it, one of the hopeful things in, um, I think Dr. Jeff Booth covers this really well in, uh, the price of tomorrow, probably, you know, read mm. that book. You talked about, uh, decentralization, uh, I should say, um, uh, de deflationary technology. Um, and you know, some, somebody might hear that and think deflationary technology, that doesn't sound like a good thing. Deflationary technology is an absolute game changer, and it, it's it's natural uh, for the human species. So mm -hmm. you, let, let's hit on this for a second because I think this is super important, especially yeah. for homeschooling, uh, for for money in general. I mean, deflationary technology is the, the game changer, and I think it's probably what gives us hope. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, I actually, so Price of Tomorrow is one of the first books I, I read when I was on that early part of the, the journey into Bitcoin. It's actually one of the first books I recommend to people because I I get it. So I, books like Inventing Bitcoin and things like that, where they explain to you, here's a UTXO and here's a difficulty adjustment and all these other things. I I don't know if the, the next people on the adoption curve, if that really helps them as as much as it might someone with an engineering background. That might be one of the reasons, by the way, there are more male engineers than females, yeah. why we've, we see what we do in, in Bitcoin. But Price of Tomorrow, I recommend because you don't have to be technical to read to read Jeff Booth's book. It's just, it's first principles idea in plain English, but it sets up the framework. And I struggled with it. I'm like, all right, we went to 
I went two years of business school and I don't ever remember talking about deflationary forces as a good thing. And <laughs> I remember picking this up and I was like struggling with it. And uh, I brought it with us on a family vacation. We actually, we actually did get to get on a vacation and I, and that was my light reading. And I was, and it, and I partway through as he's making the point, like, I'm like, Oh, okay. Cause he gives some, some pretty clear examples. And if anybody hasn't read it, just pick it up. Yeah. I guarantee you it's, you know, it's, it's worth it. And, you know, it, it just, and then again, you're like, Oh my gosh, like you can see it everywhere now. Like now that once, once I saw that framework from, uh, from that, that book, I could see both the framework for the money side and inflation as well as the technology. And, and now I can't unsee it. Now you're like, Oh wow. And, and that's the reason I recommend it to, to people getting started you don't need to know all the technical things. Like the game that I built is is more on how Bitcoin works. It's more that, you know, here's here's how mining works. But if you just want to learn Bitcoin and you're just trying to figure out how to teach your kids about the framework for, you know, how they approach things, then Price of Tomorrow just lays out this thing. It says, okay, here's your framework. As you As you take in things in the world and you have experiences and you see things, here's a context that you can put these in and it will help you make sense of some of the uh, some of the madness. And and that's why I actually I love referring people to that book first, because if you don't have that bigger context and you're just throwing technical things at, at someone, I mean, it doesn't help someone to say, hey, have fun being poor. Like it's just you're not going to convince anybody to get there. Right. I don't think you're going to get there by telling non-technical people, you know, how Shaw 256 works. I you're going to lose them. But if you say, Hey, look, this, you know, here's what's happened with take calculators, for example, or TVs or phones or just anything else. And you can give them an example, they get it. Then you say, here's what's going on in the real world with money printing inflation. They don't have to be an economist to know that it's a mess. And then they, then they're, they're now ready for the next step, mm-hmm. which is, okay, now what do we do about it? Well, what's available? Well, you can homeschool your kids. You can, you can go find some um, regenerative farming cattle farmer or rancher to get your meat. And by the way, you know, maybe you should do a little study on Austrian economics and some Bitcoin. You know, you can, it can give you like that, that whatever that next step is for you, it gives you a context. So I, I love starting with that. I think it's a lot more helpful to people who are just getting started And I just don't think the next group of people on the adoption curve are going to look like us. I don't think they're willing to put in the, the, the hours on the podcasts and the, and the books They're It's sort of like the internet days, Uh, you know, early on, you probably had a lot of super techies in there figuring out how to make web pages. But today, uh, you know, my parents can send email. They know how to do attachments on text. Like, like they can do basic, they don't know all the protocols behind it. Mm -hmm. So I think as we, as we go next, you know, some number of years, the user experience is going to have to be easier. And, you know, understanding some of that, te- the tech behind it doesn't really matter to them. Uh, but the bigger picture does matter. I, I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think, you know, there's, there's two things here. And one of the th- things that I find really interesting about how 
hyper Bitcoinization is going to work and how this next generation is going to come around to it. There's 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 going to be the push uh, just because people don't want to get wiped out, and there are going to be people who are receptive. And at the same time, I want to say desperate. And I don't I don't you know nobody should be taking you know advantage of the desperate situation that we are in and people that we are facing. Obviously, is uh, people who are leveraged in dollars, <clears throat> you know, they stand to get you know hit the hardest out of you know darn near everybody. Um, the, the 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 second point is is you know to 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 lead this next generation what i always love it seeing is you know this necessity for adoption and the best way that i've found that that's conveyed is through storytelling it's you know it's it's you know you can hit somebody with all these fun facts about you know hey money you know this money is deflationary our technology is deflationary this is kind of a natural process but at the end of the day if you can show people like i think um you know hong kong hodl was a a great piece and for anybody that doesn't know um that was uh you know the i guess i guess last year year and a half ago um when the canadians went on strike with the truckers up there and um the the, the banks came in and started wiping these guys out freezing accounts taking over uh, all sorts of charity funds but they couldn't wipe out bitcoin and so to to be able to tell those stories uh you know guys like bj um, and the rest of them that were up there running around getting people set up with hot wallets, teaching them you know how to transition fiat into Bitcoin. Unbelievable type of story. And then you see you know people fleeing out of Ukraine, um, you know, and then just the great case of El Salvador where you know repatriation and everything else that's going on down there is uh, is is really leading that country uh, to to something I think fairly magnificent. So I I think you're right. You know, this next generation is going to be much less concerned with the tech side of this and a lot more concerned with just the everyday of like how do we incorporate this into our lives because they don't want to think about it mm -hmm. they don't want the, people are so damn task saturated now they don't want to think about how their money has to work yeah yeah i mean we also have and we also happen to have the benefit of the dollar being the global yeah reserve currency so what, while you're saying that i'm also thinking of alex's piece um as you look at things like i like the book check your financial privilege and there was another piece uh that was done i think in bitcoin magazine on the imf and world bank and the damage um that's done in the world largely because of how the money works um those other areas that are going through hyperinflation and have other types of pain and are going to come to, to Bitcoin because of the freedom side of it. Yeah. And they're, they're going to come to it for diff different reasons. Whereas there's a 50, 50 chance that if someone walks up to our booth at a homeschooling convention, maybe not 50, 50, but there's a chance someone's going to walk up and they just want to know how they can invest. And they're thinking it's almost like a day trader type of mentality. I'm going to, I want to get in this crypto. I want to get in that crypto. They're trying to figure out, and to me, I'm like, this is so much bigger than that. This is so much bigger than that. You're missing, and I, and I, I don't have, it's, you just don't have enough time to tell them that they're, they're missing the, the, the fundamental layer of this thing. You know, so you answer it, you, you kind of give your, your point of view, but the, the, the gap there in education of what we have to, to show people, it's, um, it's real. And the more ways we can kind of help them along, the better. But I think because we, we happen to have the U.S. dollar, it actually makes it it makes our job of educating people here the hardest. Whereas if you go to people who are already 
suffering for other in other countries, they can get it a lot faster, and they're gonna they're gonna come to it faster. So um, yeah, it, there's a whole lot there to 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 get into, but it's um, it's and there's a lot of fud out there too. People are you got the Elizabeth Warren and her crypto army or whatever she's calling it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> just it's just like you're like really guys. Can we just have a an honest if we really care about the country and our, and our kids' future, can we just actually talk about the real freaking issues? And, and you know, I, it just makes me like the, the knowledge gap as you're talking to people because they, they're coming from the right spot. They're trying to take care of their family. But now they're trying to figure out they have to do their day job and they have to learn. They have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out real estate or investing or whatever because their money's not holding value. So they're all going to spend all this time on whatever. And they go out there and the news says – whatever it is, the, the latest uh, tech stock or crypto or whatever it is. So I don't blame anybody for having that, but it just highlights the, the gap, the amount of education that it's going to take. And I, I really wish it didn't take pain here, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think that's kind of the route that we're on for a lot of folks. They're going to have to go through the pain first. And then a lot of these things that they hear will start to make more sense. Yeah. So I wish I wish you didn't have to. It's like watching a kid fall off the bike. You wish they didn't have to learn <laughs> by skinning up their knee, you know, but there's certain lessons, you know, the stove's hot. Like, okay, you get burned once, you know, you, you're going to learn. Um, and I, it's a, I, I kind of think there's an analogy there for us as a society where we are with our money. <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have to feel some pain. We may have to actually touch that stove a few times before everybody really gets it yeah. um you, or you could watch yeah it, i wish i don't want to be a, i don't want to be a downer on your, your audience no, but no. I, I, I just when i listen to people you know you you, you so anyway let's help them let's say let's go out and reach them let's try to help them before they touch the stove yeah um, and, and, and and my analogy to this is like i was a big brother and a lot of times i did the stupid stuff first right and it's like hey be the oh, yeah. be, be the attentive <laughs> little brother that watches big brother mess up, right? It's like, hey, if you're if you're yeah. a smart little brother, you're not gonna make the same mistakes that your big brother made. And there's a lot of there cases like that. It's like, guys, there, there a lot of us in Bitcoin have made mistakes. Trust me. Uh, I think at some point most Bitcoiners were were shit coiners, and and you know at, at some point probably had some sort of rug pull or you know some something to that effect happen. So learn from us. I want to I want to talk about your your games, uh, and I want to talk about you know free market kids because you know this is this is something that you're obviously passionate enough to, to start you know a entrepreneur you know, be an entrepreneur business and like um which one would you rather would you rather talk about first uh they're they're, they're kind of intertwined uh so okay. let's just take the you know when we start with the when we start with the game so uh we kind of mentioned earlier when you asked about the, the background so i love games i go to a game conference called gen con in indy every every year with my brother it's just kind of a that's my getaway because it's within driving distance and you know my wife doesn't have to listen to me like like i can just go away for a little while um so the game for me like i just i grew up with games we had monopoly and whatever else it was you you we used to go visit my grandparents farm every summer there wasn't even a tv i mean if there was you it didn't work um you you either found something to do inside or you found something to do outside. 
but there was no there was no option with like what there are now with the videos and internet um, things. It just wasn't there. So to me, this is this feels very comfortable to me. I, I I really like the fellowship aspect of it too. So the idea of a family spending a night together without watching a screen to me makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so um, I like that. But from what what we've been talking about as a homeschooler, this to me was also an opportunity where I could. I can incorporate something that I wanted the family to know about and, and trying to talk the technical speak to, to Tali, my wife, there's no way it was going to work. It's not because she couldn't handle it. It was just that that was not, it just wasn't on her radar to care about that. She was thinking about who has to be where, who's going to be trying to get into a college, who's, who has to get fed. Like it was just, that was not on her, her radar. So the game to me was a way for, I could, I could kind of meet these other itches that I had and I could build this thing. And, and basically we, it took me two years and I was learning Bitcoin while I did it. And so I, my brother and my oldest son were the most helpful, neither of whom are Bitcoiners, but they're willing to play games with me and I would learn something, whatever it is. I read a book, I heard a podcast or whatever, and I would try to make a mechanism in the game to match that, which doesn't sound hard. But, you know, I think I started with Mahjong tiles with little stickers on them and stuff. And I was trying to, like, show, like, how these transactions would work or whatever. And it, and it, actually, um, it actually made the game a lot better. It took two years of this, this, this testing. But for me, I was actually learning. It forced me to learn Bitcoin. So I'll yeah. give another, another example. So in the game, there's a time chain. All the Bitcoin starts on the time chain. Starts in 2009, goes through 2140. And there's two halving events in the game. So as you're getting it, you can you can visually see halvings in the in the game, and I'm like, this has to reflect Bitcoin, right? And so I didn't want someone to be able to to take your Bitcoin unless you signed off on the transaction. That was kind of like my thought, but then my brother was like, well, this sucks because whoever gets the whoever gets the blocks in the first epoch, like. Like they, you can't win and it's no fun for anybody. And I said, yes, but you can't just use a transaction and send their Bitcoin because they're not going to do it. Like no Bitcoiner is just going to say, here's my keys and they're going to take it. And I was, I was torn. So where, where I ended up with that, and this took a while, this was actually probably the hardest thing to work out in the game was, okay, I'm going to split the little player cards. All the, the player call cards are just wallets. Mm-hmm. I just abbreviated that by split it in two. I actually got one nearby. So I split it in two. So you got a hot side, and a cold side. I don't know if your viewers can see that yeah. or not. And when you earn your Bitcoin from the time change, it goes onto your wallet. So think of that as like the distributed ledger now. It always goes on the hot side. Well, I can attack you if you don't move it to your cold side. Oh. And then there's a die in there to defend yourself. You got a 50-50 chance that you're able to protect yourself or that through a phishing scam or I didn't put like a $5 wrench in there. I think I had SIM swap, phishing scam and lost keys or something. Um, and so like this took a while to get this, this balance and it was really frustrating. But then when we took it to Bitcoiners and we started to play with Bitcoiners, this actually became one of the best elements mm. of it. It was the hardest one to kind of figure out. So if you play the game, I could teach you all these things about Bitcoin terminology and whatever else. But the only thing that I really want people to get out of it now that I kind of look back on it is you're not going to get FTX if you put your stuff in cold storage, right? Get your stuff, get your keys off the exchange. If you need to have some spending 
cash, put that in your hot wallet. But like, if you put your stuff in a, in a cold storage, you're safe. And um, you don't need to know all these other UTXOs and all this other stuff. You don't need to know that. If, if the one thing you learn from our game is have your keys and put it and protect them, then, then great. So um, basically we're, we're now I'll, I'll, I'll tie this back to uh, the personal story. You asked how I, how we got here. So I was doing, I started this when I was still in a fiat job and in October, my job was eliminated. And so now we, the kids are all graduated. Tali and I are looking at each other and I have a choice. Do I give into the fear? Cause I'm the, as the, the person bringing in the money, the health benefits, the, you know, paying for the mortgage, et cetera. I, you know, this fear to go take a job that I don't want or like versus taking a long-term going to like long, low time preference. Am I going to put my money where my mouth is? Am I going to commercialize this? And instead of going back and just doing something with fiat, actually do something that helps contribute to that. And, and that's when, so that was six months ago. And we said, let's, we're going to go, we're going to go all in on free market kits. We're going to, we're going to go to conferences. We're going to go to meetups. We're going to try to write articles. We're going to, we're, we are going to, and I have other ideas for other like Austrian economic games and things. So I had this vision of game in a book, game in a book, game in a book kind of thing. But for me personally, the game is, it's, you know, this is it. Like let's, let's start here. When we brought it to, to Bitcoiners, they loved it. And that was, that was, um, selfishly that felt great because I had game tested this while I was trying to learn Bitcoin. I was testing with people who didn't know Bitcoin, but I, I got it right evidently with the mechanics well enough that now when we we've had game events at Bitcoin park, we've had game events in Louisville, Lexington, Cincinnati. We're going to have a game event in North Carolina shortly. We might have one in Georgia on our way to Miami, and then we're going to play at the Thank God for Bitcoin, the second day of Thank God for Bitcoin conference before the Miami big conference kicked off. So these game events are a lot of fun because Bitcoiners know the mechanics that can talk smack to each other. Um, <laughs> for, my st for my, no, you should see it. They get, they get kind of intense. So the, the, but the thing I like about it is we took like, for example, I won't tell you which city because I don't want to dox who it was, but. We played this game. There was a guy there, super technical, super. I mean, he knows he's, he's forgotten more about Bitcoin than I will ever understand. But his significant other, they had never, ever talked about it. I mean, he was getting that same kind of hand that I had. And we played the game and he was trying to give her advice on how to play. She, she figured out the rule. So a couple of guys were like just throwing all this technical stuff at her. They're like, oh, this game, this, this, that. And they're throwing out all these things. And when they just were, when we finally got to play, she got into it and you fast forward now, she's, uh, she bought a game. She wants to play it with some of their relatives. They, um, she's done a, the last time we saw her, I, she actually used Bitcoin on chain. She bought the game with lightning with her, with her significant other in the first one, but she actually wanted to make sure she understood how she could do it on chain. The last time we saw her and she bought one of our, um, proof of work shirts. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that yet on our, website um but here she is and she has said that prior to that they never talked about it they just never talked about it so to me the game now is when you get to the education of how do we reach that next set of people you can get this game you can play it with people who know nothing about bitcoin and as long as you shut up 
and don't try to give them all the background. That's the hardest part. If you know, the hardest part is just to shut up and play. But if you do that, eventually they're going to ask a question. And then you're going to be like this individual I'm telling you about. That one question could be enough to ask another question and another, another question. And to me, the game then, it's not like orange pill in a box, but it's, it's, it's a really great way to approach it other than, hey, listen to this podcast, listen to this book. You know, let me tell you all the stuff I know. Um, it's just, a, hey, guys, it's family game night or it's whatever game night. And that's it. And you let the questions come to you. The, um, to follow it up, I, I put the book together, the one I sent you right before we, we talked. Mm-hmm. So you'll see that the book kind of has the same cover. I, I keep my, my cameras backwards. I don't know if you can read that or not. So it's it's uh, teaching through games, twenty one Bitcoin lessons. So it, the cover matches the game cover, so they they'll look nice on your if you put them up on your on your shelf. But if you actually get the game and you want to learn, the intent of that is here's here's what the game represents. It kind of walks through that, and then the second half of the book is just all the resources I used over the two years of building it. You can go decide for yourself, but if you don't have an expert, you can at least you have a, a starting place. So the game is for everybody. The book is for those that either want to teach themselves or teach their kids. You can buy that as a compliment to it. So to me, like this is, this is, this exactly matches that overlap of education and Bitcoin. And it's just, it's not going to solve everything, but this is an area that I know. So this is where I can contribute. And just like everybody else can contribute in whatever ways. I'm not a coder. I can't write code, right? There's just, I'm not a I'm not a natural podcaster. I'm not going to be able to have like 300 episodes like like you have. Like this is like that's not my thing. Um, this is what I can do for education. I know homeschoolers. I know I know games. You know I can sit there. I'm not the greatest writer, but I can I can get the thoughts down. And this is a way I can contribute to help people. Just have some fun if you want, and if you want to learn, that's even better. And I can get you started there. So that's. That's the game, and and that's why it's uh, it's so important because it hits all of these different subjects that we've been talking about, and all in one spot for me. I I, I really want to iterate to everybody out there, or reiterate um, the idea of learning through play too is something that cannot be undervalued. If if you are if you are playing, especially having moments with your kids. Um, the ability to, to to simulate or do something and make it fun or competitive is so much more than sitting in a classroom with 30 other kids oh, trying yeah. to you know force down their throat for regurgitation purposes only um you know some subject whereas you know you're going to learn a skill set you're going to learn a strategy that that comes along with that skill set and if you, you know, the way, the way that a lot of people maybe don't understand and, you know, I've had to learn some things about the brain, unfortunately, uh, because of, you know, some family members and, and some things that go on. But when you, when you elicit a response out of that part of your brain um, in, in terms of fun, in terms of laughter, you are much more apt to remember those things and to be able to bring them back up yep. and apply them in your everyday life. And I think that is absolutely one of the greatest points out of all of this is like play and learning 
is should never be separated. It, it it's one of those things. That, you know, I know sometimes you got to power through some things, but if you can play, take the opportunity to play and learn it at the same time. So, man, kudos to oh, you. I love it because you know this is the thing, and I and I tell my audience all the time. If you've got a passion and you've got a skill set and those things overlap and you can make figure out a way to make a living doing that, that's not a bad thing. And don't let anybody ever tell you that you know, oh, you know, you're exploiting, you know, whatever this is. No, you're not. You are doing what you were put on this earth to do if you are exercising that passion, that knowledge and earning a living from it. That is absolutely what, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, homeschoolers should be teaching uh, to begin with. So I love it. I, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, not everybody's a podcaster. Not everybody is super technical, writing code and being a you know, front end or a back end engineer and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to apply myself in the niche that I know I can apply it. That is a superb message. Um, so, um, I, I've got you know some more questions. I you know we've got you know another ten minutes or so. Um, when when your kids were hit with all of this, I mean. Were any of them just naturals to it? Were they just like those kids that were like, I want to know more about this. And they then they start asking questions, whether it was like Austrian versus Keynesian economics or, you know, Bitcoin versus fiat or like, were any of them just kind of like naturally pulled to it? No, actually. So the, the, the cool thing is, and you see it pretty, you can talk to any parent, you, the personalities that the differences in your kids' personalities comes out pretty quickly. So out of our four, um, our youngest, our younger daughter is the one who's been most receptive to it. She, she actually would, she's willing to edit our, the book and things. So my, my older son's willing to play a game, but he's, he, he just thinks that his mom and dad are in a cult basically, <laughs> you know, like dad's I love dad, dad put on laser, you know, dad put laser eyes on his picture online and they're like, why, you know, and mom and dad are going to Miami for their anniversary to go to a conference, right? They're to Bitcoin guy. They just, so uh, for me, the, the answer is, is, is no, but this is where I, I would call out to other parents and things. You can't, you, you can't necessarily, you don't know exactly what's going to reach other people and you don't know when. When I was 18, I thought I knew a lot more than my parents, right? And then fast forward later after you, we have family, you kind of look at things and say, oh, you know what? They, mom and dad actually kind of knew what they were talking about there. So to me, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to try to force, force it on them. If you have a low time preference, if you truly put into practice low time preference, then, then just playing that game, you know, that's, you, you know, you could probably force that. You can say, listen, we're having, we're going to have family time or it's, it's new year's or it's whatever. Um, or you could just, you could say, Hey, this is part of your curriculum. This is your homeschooling curriculum. You're going to, you're going to read price of tomorrow or something like that. Um, but the kids to me, like w- the way I'm looking at this is they, they, number one, they see that mom and dad are working together. They're, they're not, they're not, it's, it's a stressful time, but they're working together to make something work that they believe in. That's one lesson. So from a relationship standpoint. And the second thing is whatever happens to me, I know that I'm even behind this book and the game that even if I'm not physically with them, wherever they, they are, they have a place to start when they're ready to, to learn about it. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to try to force them. We, you, we do little things like, Hey, we'll pay you in Bitcoin. And you know, do you want to listen to this? We'll, we'll continue to do that. We'll invite them. We've brought, um, let's see, three out of our four have 
come with us to multiple Bitcoin meetups, including some in um, uh, some in Bitcoin Park. We took our younger son, who's more technical, to Seed Signer was there, and he got to actually make, you know, actually put one together. Um, so we're going to keep doing those kind of things. But no, none of them just said, yeah, I want this. I get it. Um, but um, my perspective is that's okay. They Everybody has their own path. We're going to do, Tali and I are going to, give them the tools that we think they need to be successful. And when they're ready for it, we're here for them to, to kind of go deeper. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, you, you, you know, you take the horse to water, right? And forcing them is, is, is a surefire way to turn them off. So, um, man, what, what a great episode so far. And, and I thank you for, for everything you're doing in the space and time. Um, the, the opportunity to help people who are doing what you're doing, you know, being entrepreneurial in this space, uh, chasing that passion. How can we help you out? So we, so uh, we'd love to get feedback on the game. If you want to play it, if you could do start up a game night in your area, uh, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, we are starting up um, a, a Patreon we're trying to figure out how to do that and a geyser to try to help help us. Tali has set a goal to play Hoddle Up, have a game event in all 50 states before the next halving. Wow. So uh, we're, we're trying. Uh, that's going to be uh, – that's quite a commitment. If we can tie it to homeschooling conventions and things um, – then that would uh, we can also also do that, and we're willing to 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 do other things. We're we're open to maybe working at a Bitcoin company. We have to find something that matches our our, our capabilities. Obviously, we're focused on the education side. So anybody who wants to do that, and and the other thing is we've met some really we've had some cool discussions. So for example, uh, we've talked to people now in Italy, in France, in Germany that were talking about how they want to expand it there, including translations. We just had um, a lady took my article that you read, translated it into Italian on her own, and then sent it to European Bitcoiners. Um, I, what I'd love to be able to do is to be able to get the game in another language and be able to get it to other places. So can we get to El Salvador? Can we get to Africa? You know, this is uh, from an education standpoint, what if anybody has any ideas or connections that can help us with with that, that would be that would be really cool. If we can leverage somebody else's skill in a different area and get the word out to more people and not just, uh, you know, we just happen to be in U.S., so it's in English um, that those kind of those kind of discussions are really fun to 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 have. So those would be things that would be helpful. Awesome. Is there a, a website you got a Patreon or a Cash App or anything like that we can we can help you out at monetarily? The the Patreon is just uh, I forget the Patreon. Is it Patreon.com? Uh, it's whatever. I think it's something forward, and it's just free market kids. Okay. After that, uh, there's a link on the top of our site called Bitcoin Rising that should take you there. Um, but come to our site. We have other games that we're we're, we're building. FreeMarketKids.com. And we're going to keep looking to to create other articles that we can try to get other information out to people. We're going to be going to other conferences. There's um, I, I recently was talking to one of the organizers at TabConf. I don't know if you go to that or not, but I think it's pretty close to you. Yeah, it's here in Atlanta. And it's, uh, it's it's more of a techie yeah. side thing, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's a good. It meetup. is, yep. but she's got a um, a homeschooling or an education panel. <laughs> she saw the article or, or maybe it was before the article even. And, and so um, 
if you can come out to places like that, you can, there's other things you can do to get involved too. Like uh, you can start a meetup, you can attend meetups, but we're going to try We're going to be in Miami. We're going to continue to get to Bitcoin park. We're going to go to TabConf. We're going to keep trying to be active in the community and look for other connections that can help spread the word. Awesome. Well, Scott, I have uh, I've really great pleasure to meet you. Uh, I'm inspired by you know what you're doing, where you're at, being very similar in in footsteps, maybe a, a few behind you here. Uh, but uh, I really want to just give you so much praise for for chasing the passion and doing education and and doing you know this pioneer work on the front side of Bitcoin because this is this is generational. This is something that I think is. Um, you know, more than worth our time for the next generation is, you know, there's a great old saying is, you know, where, where men plant the, the trees, the shades that they will never enjoy. And I think that is exactly Mm -hmm. what this is, is we are, we're tired of kicking the can down the road. Uh, we're taking, you know, vast measures and, and living maybe a little more uncomfortably than we ever had to, uh, for this next generation. And I think there is something so admirable about that shift away from, you know, what we were indoctrinated with, uh, from the very beginning. So thank you. Uh, thank you again for your time, your effort and your passion in this. And, uh, uh, ladies and gents, go out there and support Scott and support his wife and, you know, the, the free market kids and the huddle up game. Uh, this is, you know, this is what we got to do. We've got to support this community. We've got to lift it up. We've got to share. We've got to collaborate. Um, all of these things that, you know, that are going to make it, you know, catch fire. And I think, I think we're right there on the cusp right now. So, um, really close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, outside of that, uh, if you love the show, you can, uh, let me know about it. Shane at radicalpod.com. Um, save everything else for another time. Uh, Scott, thank you again, sir. Until next time, ladies and gents, uh, I will see you later this week. I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.